This is Rebel Guru Radio. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the Rebel Guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training, accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. What are the potential dangers and benefits of hallucinogens? Are they the best way to reach higher levels of consciousness? In this episode, Hallucinogens and Addiction Part 2, Eric shares his experiences and opinions. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. I've got Mirabai uh, with me. She's here to run the technology as usual and make sure that uh, everything goes as smoothly as possible. We are kind of on the road right now, so we're at a friend of mine's house. We made a makeshift backdrop, and we kind of had to get ourselves together. And uh, I'm hoping my I have no powder for my shiny head, so you know we'll just have to deal with it. So, what do we got? What do we got for questions? It feels so quiet. Um, so we have a couple of questions from viewers last time that didn't we didn't have time to answer. Okay. Um, if you want to start with those, sure. Um, okay, so the first one is there's a wave of studies being done on MDMA as treatments to PD, PTSD. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, do you think that controlled treatments like this could be a useful way to heal from trauma, or do you think that it doesn't really go deep enough? Uh, I definitely think that it will have a, a positive effect. No question about it. I mean, just from my ayahuasca experience, you know, putting aside the 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 you know, what I, I would consider some negatives, but not really so much. But there's a very, very deep healing, love feeling kind of that comes in near the end as you're coming down off of it. And um, it's it's very hard to explain, but it's like a very deep, it's like your whole body is humming. And then if they'll, they'll put a blanket on you and the blanket feels extra heavy and it feels really nice. And it's very... God universe oriented. And so what I'm saying is, is that you feel very loved, very intensely loved, very, very harmonious and, and it's very gratifying and it's almost addictive. And so, um, I think that depending on, on how they, they plan to utilize it and everything, certainly it's going to bring up thoughts and everything. If they can work through those, those thoughts or those visions, I, I think there could be some benefit to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, somebody else asked, is it possible that LSD heightens my mind to be as receptive as when I was a child? Um, and is it possible to hold this state with practice through meditation? Look, LSD is going to kick your ass. Okay. You don't, you don't get to decide those things. You can, you can have some interaction with it, but it's like saying, you know, okay, I'm going to do X amount of shots, but I'm still going to be cognitive to drive and disciplined enough and, and all of these things. It's just not going to happen that way. 
Uh, LSD, your mind for some parts will be focused and other parts, it's just going to be grabbing onto anything that amuses your mind. So this is a problem with hallucinogenics is that they can be really profound in one sense. And then in another, when it comes to the discipline of the moment, you really have to really think things out environmentally. Who's there? You know, what's, what's going on? What can you introduce you? Because you're just going to find that you're interested in everything else but what you really thought you'd be interested in. So you're just going to kind of wander from one thing to the other that captures your attention. So if we're going to talk in microdoses, well, that's a different situation. I can, I've can i never microdosed, just for the record. Uh, I've done normal doses or above normal, well above normal. Uh, but, you know, the idea of microdosing really wasn't, at least for me, wasn't, and, and everything I'm saying is based on my experiences. It doesn't mean that anybody's, you know, would agree with me who, who's done other stuff. But uh, I can't say, you know, at that time, microdosing wasn't a thing. Okay, as much as it is today. Now, if you were going to ask me, do I think there's any benefits to microdosing? I would say sure. You know, I think it would definitely, as long as you're not at the level where it's kind of controlling your thought process or making your mind wander too much to everything, because everything looks interesting. Everything looks a little bit more pitched in color and brighter and more pop and more more livid. But you're also kind of under an intoxication. It's just different than alcohol and your mind tends water. So a microdose, if it can add to the sharpness of things without it going too much and your mind can be more down to earth like it is now, I think microdosing may be very interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't be against it. But I, I think that people need to be very careful because different people react differently to certain amounts and I'm thinking right now bladder acid which is basically this little tiny square piece of paper the size of maybe my pinky nail and if you cut that into four pieces and then you did that I would assume that maybe that's a microdose quantity I certainly would be open to it sure but do I think it'll have some benefits yeah I don't know wonder from the question or not all right. Okay. Uh, the next question was from another user. They said, I'd like to know your opinion on mixing marijuana with tobacco. I do uh, it, but I believe it, uh, it is what could potentially cause addiction, mental illness, short-term memory loss, and lack of motivation. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little, bit, a little bit more about how THC versus CBD, uh, both of the effects and how they interact together? Well, that's a loaded question. You're responsible for breaking that down. I'll answer one at a time. You just ask All me. I'll, right. I'll, Let's give, start my, with I'll give my two cents for whatever it's worth, okay? Uh, mixing tobacco with marijuana. Why? Why? Why would you do that? Why? For what? For what? You, you've already got smoke for all intents and purposes. You can see it blow out of you. Why add tobacco, which has zillions of additives to it to make it even more addictive, more harmful, okay? Uh, so, no, I, I think it's a terrible idea. Why get accustomed to that, okay? Why introduce it to you? Because now, not only are you, like, interested in maybe doing pot, but now you're, you've got an addiction uh, that you're developing through, through tobacco, so if you're combining them, it seems to me that you're just going to be pickled all the time 24-7 because you're going to have this drive that you're associating with pop. But the drive is really probably coming from the tobacco. So my personal opinion is I would not smoke uh, tobacco mixed with marijuana at all. Now, is there any benefits to it? I've Honestly, I've never done it because I, I, it doesn't make logic to me why I would. 
uh, I, you know, I quit smoking 30 something years ago. I would never play Russian roulette with, with any form of tobacco because like anything, white cells are super addictive. We, we get into something, we go a hundred, not, not 10, 20, 30. We got to be very aware of what we're doing and very cautious. So, um, is there, is there, you know, a benefit to the draw or the smoothness of it all? I don't know, but whatever it would be, it's still not worth it. You can, you get plenty of options out there for, for smoking pot now. Now, of course, if you're in different states and it's not legal, I understand that, but you know, vaping THC, as far as I'm concerned, is the way to go. It's much easier on the lungs than doing it like through a joint or through a bowl or a bong. You could do a water bong, I suppose, but you know. Uh, I think vaping is probably the easiest way, but you know, here's the thing in, even with, with vaping versus smoking it traditionally versus edibles, uh, you know, all of them deliver a different kind of experience slightly. And, you know, of course it also is how the person chemically processes it. So, you know, I would never like, I'm not a big fan on edibles because it takes up to an hour for it to hit you and it can last for hours longer than if you smoked. So you don't have that same level of control to smoke and kind of dial it up or dial it down through through time. With edibles, you kind of do it, and you better hope that the dosage is very accurate. So unless it comes from a, a facility that is very stringent on the quantities, I mean, if you get home-baked, I don't recommend anybody ever do edibles from anybody that's not really breaking down everything that's in it legit-wise, you know, like through the government per se, because you can have an awful, awful experience, uh, you know, getting high uh, on edibles, and you'll you'll think you're dead, and it, it's awful. Go, you know, go to hell, create. All, it's awful. It's just too much, and it's just not a good way to control how your your body receives it, unless you absolutely know what was put in there. So unless you buy it and it's it's broken down to how many milligrams and everything, I don't recommend edibles at all. Uh, I recommend smoking it. I recommend vaping it if you're going to do it at all. Okay. And those of you guys who aren't familiar with it, if you decide to do vape, one decent hit, start there, wait a half hour to 45 minutes and see where you are. Because if you do too much, it's going to just overweight. It's like, it's like drinking half a bottle of vodka. Are you going to do that or drink one or two shots? Um, as far as CBD uh, goes, I'm really out on the, the outside on that. You know, I have CBD oil. I've experimented with it. My personal opinion is I don't know if it's placebo effect or not. I mean, t clearly THC is not placebo. It's going to do its job no matter what. But the CBD, you know, it's not really made to be THC or it's not really THC. So you're not really looking for the same effects. You're looking for benefits health-wise. I'm overall pretty healthy so far, knock on wood. I don't really have something to, to say, but I've had friends who have given it to their grandmother who's got, you know, severe uh, arthritis. She rubs it on. She calls it her magic oil and swears by it. Uh, other people swear by it. So I don't want to say that there's nothing to CBD oil. I'm just saying for me so far, I haven't found something that I can say it absolutely definitively worked. And there's a lot of studies that are saying right now they're not so sold on it either. But, you know, you start getting into to people who have epilepsy and seizures and different stuff, and they, they swear by it. So I think that uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done on it and figured out about it. I'm not against it, but I'm not for it until I see something really that stands out to me. Okay. Um, the next question kind of goes along those lines. Um, and it says, what do you think about the ceremonial or medicinal use of tobacco, like how Native Americans would use it? Um, does it have any benefits spiritually? 
He, this is where, you know, um, damned if I do and damned if I don't. Uh, listen, I, I mean, I'm a rebel guru. I might as well get yelled at. You know, now we'll have the Native Americans yelling at me. Um, look, smoke is like kind of like water. It's just different. We as human beings are drawn to water. We, we love moving water. We love still water. Any kind of water, humans are, are drawn to it in general. It's just something that, that connects with us. So thought, and this is following my school of, of teaching, okay? So I'm not saying of truth to say that when they're doing stuff with your um, – with tobacco, your your mind is following the exhaling of it, the intention of it, the movement of it. This is all enforcing a psychic kind of connection of personal belief and drive, and that creates effect better. So to me, it's a yes and no. Personally, you know, tobacco is not going to do much for me. You know, if somebody's going to blow it on me or do something or whatever for ceremonial stuff, I'm not going to connect with it probably as much as – people who are more open to that and they're going to be more receptive. So it opens up the, I always say you can do a, a greater healing on somebody who's receptive to the healing than somebody who's indifferent or not interested. So when you're blowing smoke on somebody, they get the sense that at this moment you're moving in, or if you're moving this, you're cleansing, you're doing something and you've got something to see, you get something to relate to on both ends, the healer and the person. So yeah, there could be benefits to all of that. But if there, if you're asking me if there's an absolute spiritual connection, I would say the spiritual connection isn't necessarily the smoke. It's the romance or the engagement of what the smoke is doing as a representation of, of what you're practicing. So I don't think you really necessarily need it. I think the Native Americans had access to it. They had an appreciation for it. And maybe they pretty much hooked on their tobacco. I don't know. You know, so they incorporated it into their culture a lot more. Not not sure. Can't say. Um, are you familiar with San Pedro ceremonies? Yes, I think. Are we talking about... Um, well, there's, there's two. There's one. I don't know if it's San Pedro, but I know there's there's... Of course, there's various forms of ayahuasca ceremonies, and I'm thinking that's the one they're referring to. Uh, but there is also some out there that are not with mushrooms. I mean, they're done with mushrooms or they're done with, with other uh, hallucinogens. So I don't know which one, but I would have to be more clear which one's San Pedro. I'm, I remember it, but I'm, I'm having trouble. But there's there's ayahuasca um, has ceremonies, and I believe it's the San Pedro one. I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm going to go back 30 years, 20 years. Uh, but there, there is a whole spiritual aspect where if you're doing it, and this is where I have mixed feelings, they, they, you go out there to do the, the ayahuasca and it's kind of done in a ceremonious way where you have the shaman or the main person and he might have a stick and he thumps it and they all sing. But oftentimes they do it in, in religious hymns, Christian hymns, and that doesn't really work for me. Um, I feel like to me, like the brainwashing me to get into a Christian thing. Now I'm on fucking ayahuasca, you know, tripping my brains out and it's being infused in my moment of vulnerability. Okay. To Christian hymns. Now all of a sudden I'm going to see Jesus or I'm going to see Christian related stuff. And then now, now I'm like, Oh, I'm going to become a Christian, but is it authentic? And so I believe the San Pedro is that particular one, but I, I don't recall anymore. Mark says San Pedro is a cat. Well, I guess that goes for that. So much for what I know. Uh, but they do have these religious ceremonies with ayahuasca, and they do push the Christian agenda 
intensely. So you got to make sure that if you're doing something like that, that you don't end up necessarily going to one of those if you're not going to feel comfortable with it. Uh, the cactus. No, don't know too much about that. You know how many hallucinogens are out there? There's all sorts of stuff out there, you know? Anyway. Okay. Um, are you familiar with the stoned ape theory? Yeah, of course. Okay. Do you think there's anything to it? You know, I, I think it would be foolish for me to say that there's nothing to it. I think that there could be something to it. But unless we're there observing it, we don't know for sure. But we know that, that it's more than just apes. You know, it's, it's other animals have also eaten hallucinogens, from, from wolves to, to bears to you name it. So has there been a leap in their uh, psychological or mental or, or biological system that advanced them? I don't see anything that would indicate that, okay? But I'm not saying it's not possible. So the stoned ape theory is did, did a, a apes that we may have came from uh, have eaten hallucinogenics of some type or whatever, and did that expand their consciousness or their intelligence? Well, if they did, I don't see how it couldn't. Okay, so therefore, I, I can't say with any certainty whether that's the case or not. Okay. Um, someone else asked, why do you recommend the work of Carlos Castaneda and uh, the story of Don Juan? Well, I don't recommend. Where do they get that I recommend it? I've talked about it. Okay. First of all, let's get something clear. Don Juan, Carlos Castaneda is like what I call old school. And Don Juan was supposed to be a more or less a Mexican uh, shaman who was really into uh, psychedelics and, and stuff, you know, and would collect psychedelics and stuff. But the truth is, is that Carlos wrote his thesis on Don Juan and basically on um, various forms or main, I think the main one was, was uh, 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 mescaline. Uh, but I could, you know, I don't remember half of it. It's fallen off. Every but the point is, is that I don't think Don Juan ever existed. Not real as a real person. I think it was a conglomeration and a work created by Carlos Castaneda that he researched at various colleges, different shamans, and he would learn different stuff and he rolled it into a story, but he put the same, the main fictional character was Don Juan. And so this was a fictional story based on truth from various shamans is how I would look at it. I mean, there's so many people who tried to discover Don Juan that followed Carlos for, you know, eons and everywhere he went and they never came across Don Juan or nothing, but who's to say? Okay. Um, next question. Do you think your students are responsible enough to take a shamanistic approach to psychedelics and not abuse it or use it rec recreationally? but for spiritual purposes? Um, that's a yes, no. It depends on, on who the student is. It depends on the maturity of the person. It depends on what their real interests are. So I would say that's a yes and no question also. It depends on who the person would be. Okay. Do you think it can be beneficial in any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If it's done correctly, if it's done in an ideal situation, absolutely. The, the big problem isn't whether or not you're going to have some crazy experience doing psychedelics. Let me tell you, you don't have a choice. Once you do them, you're going to have something happen, bad, good, or indifferent. Where it becomes a concern is that as white cells, we get hyper addictive to any form of stimulation. We get very excited about it. We, we want to do more. We're like, oh, it's expanding my mind. I'm seeing all sorts of things. I'm experiencing things. We're designed for that. We're designed for that psychically. 
Okay. So now when we do have psychedelics or something that's going to have this effect on us and we try it, we tend to go gangbusters and we open up. We don't care no more what happens to us. We don't care about the damage we do. All we care about is just give us the experience. Okay. And that's where I, where my fear and my concern comes in is the excitement and the lack of control. Once we're over the fear of it and we realize, okay, I can kind of work with this. It's not as crazy as I thought, but it's still pretty crazy. Then we start increasing, increasing, increasing thinking that's going to get us to some ultimate place. And by that time you're, you're ravaged. So that's something you got to keep in mind. Okay. Um, I believe this question was from Jesse, but don't take my word on that. Um, it says people go to Mexico to take a hallucinogen called iboga or ibogaine, yep. um, which many claims help them kick harder drugs like heroin yep. Yep. in a single dose. Yep. Um, what do you think about that? I don't know anybody who's personally has done it. Maybe somebody will reach out to me that has and give them, give me their thoughts on it. Um, you know, there used to be a lot of, uh, information out there. It used to be a hot topic and it was on 2020 or something and different stuff and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, I haven't heard too much about it recently in the last few years, which tells me maybe the fat is wearing off. Maybe it's not as effective as it's been put out there. I don't know why it wouldn't be used more if it was. The other thing that I had a problem with, but I certainly understand is that the, the places that were doing it, I don't really think that they're real therapists or really qualified to be dealing and digging around in people's heads. And it's just like they have access to it. They're going to allow you to, to utilize it. I'm not sure if these are the kind of people I would want to have working on me in a situation like that, unless I really felt that they were very qualified. Uh, having said that, there may be very qualified people out there. I'm just not aware of it. Uh, so that's something to consider, but you know, I've, I've heard of it. I've heard good things about it. Would I be open to it? Yeah, but I need to really check it. I think it's more important to check out who's doing it and the track record of, of the results by the people who've experienced it more so than, than, you know, anything else. That's what would be important to me. It's just, I want to talk to people who, who, who have done it. What level of severity was their addiction? And before and after, and how long did it did it last that you didn't? Because if they start telling you, well, you need to come back for second, third, fourth, and fifth, well, now it's a money operation, and, you know, yeah. Okay. Um, are you familiar with ketamine? Yeah, of course. Okay. So I guess there's a lot of buzz. Horse, horse tranquilizer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz because it was cleared as a treatment for depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, what do you think about that? I've never done ketamine, uh, so I can't speak on the level of, you know, use or anything. I've never done it. Um, you know, uh, I think any tool that's a hallucinogen has been incredibly underutilized as a incredible healing tool, okay? It has the ability to go into your mind very deeply and immensely. Why we are not utilizing this as a and developing methods to treat people with mental illness, depression, anxiety, you know, all of these things is beyond me. It's just it's just stupid society afraid of everything we we you know, this is religion and everything and, and stupid politics. Uh, these are very powerful tools and you have to keep in mind that they've been used 
well, maybe not so much ketamine, but uh, most solutions have been used by, by tribes for thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands of years, for all sorts of stuff, not just speaking spiritually to spirits, but to, to heal other problems, 10 to 1, probably psychological ones. Um, so to me, I, I'm absolutely a firm believer that they can be utilized for good stuff. The, the problem always comes back to me. The problem that I have is the recreational use in a white cell. It's not one to 10. It's just always dialed up to a hundred. And I cannot stress to you the importance of, of introducing something to yourself. That's going to open your mind. You're already a white cell. It's already, if you utilize the teachings of HBI along with utilizing hallucinogenics, you will have an explosive experience. No, no flipping question about it. It's going to be explosive. The question is, is that, is that without experience or guidance, are you going to take too much of something and then launch it? And then it's just going to be a, a destructive path. That's where I say the neurons and pathways in the brain end up doing more damage than good. So you have to kind of be aware and be cautious now. So, you know, but do I think that if somebody, somebody has depression or anxiety under the right circumstances with the right people, the right people with the experience, and everything, I think it could be beneficial, but you really need qualified people, you know, to make sure that it's, it's done correctly. Because I can tell you right now, the complete opposite can occur. You can have a nightmarish experience that compounds everything. So this is, again, you, you've got to move with caution with the decision of doing it. If, if I had severe depression or if I had severe anxieties or whatever, and I've tried pretty much everything else out there, would I do it? Fuck yes, I would. Okay. Being happy in life and trying to find a, you know, life is too short. And if you have tried everything and you're exhausted trying everything, I'm not telling you to go out and do it. I'm saying for myself, would I? Absolutely, I would. But I would do my homework and my research and make sure it's the right right kind of people and the right search ways, you know, and everything. Once you go a few times, you begin to to know right for wrong. You know, you get to know who's who's good, who's not, what's what's going to work. Enough. But you just got to be careful with those few introductions. And you may go and do it. I've had people that were clients who've gone out and done ayahuasca. And they says, yeah, it wasn't that exciting. I, I wouldn't necessarily do it again. So, which is shocking to me. So I wonder like, you know, what level of ayahuasca experience do they have? You know, it certainly wasn't like what I had. Okay. Um, the next question kind of goes along the same lines, but with uh, psilocybin. Okay. Um, in conjunction with psychotherapy. Um, it's still in the early stages, but it seems I think relevant. any tool that's a psychedelic that can be utilized for mental health, I'm 100% on board with, 100%. Providing it's done correctly and dosages are monitored and you're in a safe place with good direction. Okay. Uh, for mental health reasons, yeah. I guess not necessarily a preference, but like, do you think any one of them is better than another? <laughs> Uh, I I don't think there's enough research out there to say what's going to 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 be. If I had to choose, I mean, I would rather go towards ayahuasca or you know MDMA or something like that. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on how to best support someone close to you who's struggling with substance abuse? You know, a lot of times I think that people with substance abuse are treated like third-rate um, people in society. And the truth is, is that they're just as normal as us. 
they they have an addiction, but every other part of them is still just like everybody else. It's just that it's having an, an effect or weighing in on their thinking. But I just want to be very clear. They are people just like us. They are not like ravaged or diseased or, or keep your space from them. They have a problem and it affects them maybe where they're going to steal to to fulfill that need because it's an addiction. But they're, they're, they're people. They're just people just like us and, and they can be fixed and they can be helped. And when they are, they're just as normal as everybody else. Every it's just normal. So, um, as far as support goes, it's the same thing. Okay. Uh, I believe in tough love. They probably want to quit. Okay. They probably want to change your life, but the addiction is so strong that as much as they want the strength to, to cure themselves or to become better is, is marginalized by the strength of, of how powerful the addiction is. And it's unfortunate. So, the most you can do is tough love, offer support, be there if they want you to be there. And if it's time after time after time taking them to uh, a place to get clean or to get therapy or to get help, uh, I'm, I think that you just got to go the distance because sooner or later they will get clean. Sooner or later they're going to join society back. They're going to be normalized and they went to this dark place and they're going to come out of it. So either you can be the person that was there for them through a lot of it or not. Now, there's other feelings I have. I have friends that, that had addictions. I've gotten them completely off of meth. I've gotten them all cleaned up. I have other friends. And a year or two go by, their flipping lives are fantastic. 100%. They got wonderful people in their life. They're very happy. Everything's great. And then they relapse and they go back to that lifestyle. Why? Because I think they're bored. They want that stimulation from the drug. And that's part of the reason why these drugs are so, so addictive is it's super stimuli. Okay. So in, in essence, I think tough love, you know, you got to draw a line. You can't, you know, bend your rules to accommodate them. Uh, you just can only be there if they're willing to get help from a third party and be supportive of that. That's my opinion. Okay. Um, this is the second part of the question, but do you yeah. think it's possible to help them or help them with their healing from an energy perspective? Well, you can, but it's been my experience that uh, it can be a black hole also. And you have to, to give in moderation because, you know, it's, it's like I said before, if you do for someone and you try to heal them, if they're not receptive to that, they're just going to squander it. You know, if, if they are aware that you're trying to help them, then by all means, yes, because maybe little by little you're chipping away with, it. but you're, you're signing on board for something. Look, I don't want to be negative because, you know, but sometimes people who are utilizing drugs are in a vampiric state of their life, meaning they are going to drain you emotionally, psychologically, and in any other way. They're going to give you all the right answers because they're being very manipulative to get what they want. They're going to, to utilize you every way they can. They're going to exploit their friendship, their relationship with you, their love with you to get what they want because they're not clearly themselves at that moment. Okay, So you've got to ask yourself as much as you want to help, Okay, is it really practical? Can you set at least a limit on how many sessions you're willing to do so you can move on from that? Because if we love this this person, I can just tell you, you could spend years helping them and they're just going to exploit that. So it's almost better to get someone on the outside to do that work and someone you don't know and maybe in exchange do that for somebody that they need some help for. But when you're personally involved, you can be taken advantage of greatly. Okay. Um 
Somebody else asked, I was in a massive amount of pain when I was abusing alcohol or mm. drugs. Um, mm. I absolutely hated drinking and drug use, but I had no idea how to manage the physical and equally emotional pain. Um, mm. I see this in everyone I know who has issues on this topic. Do you have any insight? The only thing you can do is listen. If you are an addict or you are, are trying to help an addict, I would say the first thing you want to do is to teach them how to meditate. Now, that may seem ridiculous, okay, but your brain is going a mile a minute about your needs, desires, and wants because your body is driving it, okay? So to me, meditation, if you can take the time to meditate, if they're, if they're capable of doing that in their life, that is like gaining little by little ground in the right direction to seek out help, whether it's going to be AA, NA, or, or some form of therapist or whatever, or commitment to go to a detox place. The strength to make that decision comes from, from something inside of you. If you want to bolster that or strengthen it, sit down and meditate with someone. Meditate on what's good about them and clean about them and pure about them and try to, to enliven in those qualities for them to have the strength to make that step in a direction that, that directly threatens their, their pleasure receptors of being drunk or whatever, as miserable as it makes them. Uh, so by having an, an outlet or discipline to build that up, that would be the direct way to go. Okay. Um... The next question says, what do you think might happen if one were to meditate to the tones or the three chakra meditation while either fully tripping or microdosing? Well, my my expectation is, is you're going to probably cut through some doorway or you, it's going to be a very intense experience. You know, um, you're definitely probably going to go very deep into the tones. Ten to one, you're going to probably open up some vortexes or dimensional shit. Uh, it all depends on the amount of dose and how hard it's in. Remember... LSD or hallucinogenics open the mind. Now you're doing it. You're assisting by using techniques and practices, okay, which is great, okay? The problem is if you utilize too much of the drug, you're going to end up potentially doing more damage than good. So this is where you've, you've got to kind of, you know, experiment slowly. I can't stress slow enough. Uh, in order to feel what's what's right or, or, or wrong for you. But it's going to definitely amplify the experience, no question about it. Okay. Um, next question says, can it enhance the effects of, a ma of magnetic pill? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And uh, how much do you notice the effects of magnetic pill? When you're, when, you're, when you're doing that? Yeah. It's hard to say. Again, it depends on your, your dose. Uh, look, you can do a quarter hit of bladder acid and a month later do another quarter hit of bladder acid, but it's made by a different person. The amount of LSD that you take in is going to be relevant to the day that, that and who made it, okay? So you could get one that has equals to two micro hits versus the other person's one, or you might do it and it's a, it's a tenth of what a quarter hit would be. So those, that's one of the, the problems with, with LSD and, and certain hallucinogens is that it's homemade. There's nobody really regulating quantities and stuff. So that can be a big factor on how you experience your, your trip or whatever. Having said that, if you're going to take magnetic pill, my personal feeling is, is that you could remember 
the the neural system of your brain is going to have certain activity, and that's your thought, that's your consciousness running around, building, working with your 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 dimensional self, if you will. If you have magnetic pill, that's amplifying the current of how quickly and organized and cleanly it runs. I just think it's going to expand it. I think not that I'm trying to do a, a plug for people to utilize, you know, hallucinogens with magnetic pill, but I can say unquestionably it's going to to double the bang for your buck if, if that's what it's going to be. You're going to have a much more intense experience with magnetic pill than without. There's, it's just how it works. So. Um, next question is on mushrooms. Um, mm. How can they benefit in the practice of thought reflection or greater awareness of the, of the eyes? Well, look, every hallucinogen has several qualities and they tend to variate a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, some are going to be more visual and, you know, when people think of visuals, they may be thinking that it's like, like looking at something and you're just in another place. It can be that, but it still has that effect that you know that you're you're still tripping. You know it's like not real life, okay? But it, you you kind of forget about that and you kind of get sucked into it. Just like being drunk, you know, you rationalize one thing when in reality it's not any of that's happening. It's just in your head you're you're going there. Uh, so you know what was the question now again? Or repeat that. Uh, how can mushrooms? or I guess other psychedelic substances benefit the practice of thought reflection or a greater awareness of the eyes? Well, so, so the thing is, is that each one is going to work differently a little bit. Some are going to make you more emotional. Some are going to be more visual stuff. Some of them are going to enhance music. Some of them are going to make you think that you're hearing a voice. I call it subconscious voice, but with say with mushrooms, there is a report, maybe about 30% of people hear what they call the voice talking to you. Okay. To me, that's a deeper part of your subconscious and it's just reflecting what you really kind of want to hear in a way. Uh, so having said that, uh, as far as it goes, it depends what you would be utilizing. It depends on the quantity. It's listen. It's no different. Anything you do that's that's a psychedelic can have a profound effect on you spiritually, mentally. There's no question about it. But it's no different than to say, like, if I drink tequila, okay, I'm going to be in a fight. I already know that. I mean, that's that just brings it. Look at me. Like, all right, let's let's go. Let's go. Okay, what you say to my niece? I'll kick your ass. All right. Yeah, I know. I'm real threatening. But tequila, I know not to drink. Okay, that goes back to the 80s. I don't mess with tequila. Tequila will fuck me up. Vodka, I'm a happy drunk. I'm blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's a different kind of effect on me. Okay, now, if I just have a shot or two, I'm probably a lot of fun. If I have six or seven shots, I'm probably going to drive you batshit crazy with how much blah, blah I'm going to do. If I'm on tequila, one or two shots, maybe I'm okay, but in, I'm a, kind of in a weird mood. But if I take more than that, now I'm going to be aggressive. So it's different kinds of alcohol affect you differently. So it's just kind of figuring that out. And quantity has a big effect. So any psychedelic is going with utilization of your mental discipline. It's, there's going to be a big effect from that. But if you take too much, you lose your ability to manage your mental discipline. And now you're at the mercy of a randomizing psychedelic effect that's going to just decide whatever it wants to do. And my advice to you is just try to put yourself in the most positive environment as you can. You know, ride it out. Ride it out, baby. <laughs> okay, next question. Um, it says, has the collective wave of marijuana's intelligence propagate? 
propagated itself through human consumption. Hang on. As the collective wave of marijuana's intelligence, which propagates itself through human consumption, gotten so big that even higher balance had to succumb to it. And, and- <laughs> <laughs> um, look, there, there's, there, there very well may be a truth. That's a very interesting way of putting it. I absolutely believe, and I've, I've lectured on this, and is that um, I believe that every fruit-bearing tree entices nature to eat its fruit so that it can propagate its seeds. Now, there's the deer who eats fruit and yada, yada, yada. It's the cycle of life. But this is how it works. It, it, it makes this, the fruit sweet and tasty because it knows people are going to consume it or at least animals. And then the seeds are discarded somewhere away from the tree where it can get sunlight rather than being under the canopy. So it, it, there's, a, there's a relationship. I think with marijuana that um, it has done that to human beings. I think the human beings now propagate the seeds because of that, that relationship has built up or psychological control, if you will. So now it's gotten to be so rooted into society and everything. Now, now it's, it's just everywhere and it's been everywhere. It's just, now it's just getting legal, but so was alcohol at one time and alcohol was around for a very long time. So has it gotten to be so much an effect on the psyche of the human race? I would say it's probably a very true statement. I would have to agree with that. And, and HBI probably has to succumb to that because people are asking questions. Um, you know, I, I had a choice. I could have not said anything about me smoking on, a, on occasion or to say something. I believe in that I need to be as transparent and honest with people as I can, even though for me is I've been very staunch against it because I know that people will take it from zero to a hundred. And that's what I don't want. I've often said there's an ocean of dead white cells because they go from zero to a hundred instead of really being mindful of, of what, what they're getting involved in because we want that experience so bad. So that's my fear. It's a fear. Okay. I fear for, for everybody, not because they can't utilize it, not because they can't handle it, but because it gets out of control after a while and you lose sight of your, your practical sense of keeping it in check. That's my fear. So with, with pot, I, I decided that I needed to bring it up because, and be honest, because I don't want somebody to say, you know, oh, well, Eric's telling everybody not to smoke pot. And then there he's going smoking pot. My life is an open book. I don't really have a, a choice. I choose to, to teach sincerely and honestly. And that means sometimes, you know, sharing everything. So, you know, uh, I would have to agree that it's just gotten to be such, such a, a dominant effect. Listen, you know, one of the things is with this is it's one of the highest levels they said was when we started talking about hallucinogens and pot and everything, okay, for, for this. Why is that? Because everybody's thinking about it. So if everybody's thinking about it, I either address it or I ignore it. If I ignore it, you guys are going to look for this information from somewhere else, and I may not agree with them. It's my job to give you my opinion on it. You can do whatever you want with it after that. Okay, but I think some people trust me and I'm going to give them, from my experience, the best answers that I can. Okay, so yes and yes. Okay, um, somebody else asks, are hallucinogens cheating the system? Well, that's, that's a yes and no answer too. If you, if you were to look at, you know, the, the question was with, with, the, with the, the ape, whether, whether hallucinogens affected the consciousness of apes. Hard to say. If you were to ask it differently and say, do you think that 
that hallucinogens and marijuana has affected the psyche of the human race, the answer is absolutely yes, emphatically yes. And spiritually, it probably has had a huge hand in our development spiritually and psychically. Somewhere along the lines of that, I think that people started to do more psychically than, than utilizing the hallucinogens. I think that if you look at India, you don't really get much read on yogis and, and stuff like that using um, various forms of hallucinogens, not to say that they don't. But if you were to look at South America or, uh, or North America or other parts, you see that there's this use of it, okay, or in African stuff. So it's, it's hard to say. I think that, that it opened up a door, it assisted, but I also think that the development of consciousness started to move beyond its, its contribution in certain, in certain places and certain places not. So it definitely had a, an effect on the spiritualness of our awakening. For instance, I think that you have to keep in mind, I believe most people don't have a soul, okay? And I know, don't get caught up in, in the, the semantics of it, okay? The point is, is that I believe it takes self-reflection to, to develop a soul, to develop a, another dimensional body to take form that can contain or hold an essence of your, your architecture, your, your consciousness that says, this is what I am or who I am. And that's what goes beyond organically. So if we go back in time before self-reflection was something that we were capable of pondering on well, then you could say that there really wasn't any souls. Everything was biologically done at that point. The introduction or the idea of taking the hallucinogenics probably assisted greatly in the overall awareness of becoming self-aware. Uh, or contributing to self-reflection or contributing to sensing things in the environment that your five senses couldn't normally pick up on. And in that sense, it may have catalysted us spiritually to start dialing in or turning on a sensory that we had forgotten or lost or was minimalized just psychically, not spiritually. Remember, I, I think they're two different things and I do break that all down. So yes and no. Okay. Um, we did have a question come in from the audience. Uh, somebody said, I heard that mushrooms reset your mind. Is this true? <laughs> I don't know how anybody can, can say these kind of things, you know. Uh, I've done mushrooms. I don't think it reset my mind. I think if anything, anytime you do anything or any experience, it adds to your mind or your awareness or your thought process or how you perceive things or you think differently. If that's changed, then yes, that way it's changed. If you're going to say just shuts it down and you're like a, a whole kind of different person. No, I don't, I don't think it works that way. At least that's not my experience. Um, we also had another one. This is for the people that took advantage of the in-between offer yeah. from the last class. Um, do you have any recommendations for people who might be more analytical and kind of having trouble experiencing the in-between? Come out to, to Wudang, come out to the retreat center and, and maybe, you know, have us work with you on it. Um, you know, it, I do know it's, it's tough, uh, call in, see if you can get a coach to work with you a little bit. Uh, you know, those are the, the two, some people just have trouble going in between, but it's, it is because of analytical, it's too much self analyzing as to what's going on rather than allowing yourself to go through the process It's control freaks. I'm a control freak. I get it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, next one says, 
are hallucinogens a plot of the simulated reality to make people think that they're escaping the matrix? Really, <laughs> um, I'm pretty certain that anybody who's, who's done hallucinogenics more than a handful of times, uh, they will let you understand that they understand what the matrix is. They can sometimes see it and experience it and everything, but that doesn't mean it sets you free from it. Okay, they they will say, yeah, we're in the matrix. I understand the matrix, but it doesn't mean that they've escaped the matrix. You can escape the matrix. You really need to utilize a lot of the HBI kind of tools to to even approach that concept. Okay. Yeah. Um, would a microdose of mushrooms or LSD help you get into the I would say that there's a good chance that that's the case. I think it would. I have not personally done that, but um, I was much younger when I did a lot of the hallucinogens. And when I've done ayahuasca or various other stuff, it wasn't really for the idea of going in between because I wanted to experience it fully, uh, the experience it has to offer before I kind of blended the two. I can tell you I would be fairly certain that it certainly would, would have a contribution to it on a micro level if you attempted to go in between at the same time okay. um, because because being in between look let me try to explain this before we move on when you go in between i absolutely believe that your brain is releasing the chemicals probably more so for mda or something or or ayahuasca level or uh uh or something to that level Okay, MDT. I can't remember nothing now. And uh, I think that what's going to happen is, is that you introducing a very small amount to kind of prime the engine to start. So therefore, it's going to be a little easier to get into. And then you're just going to ramp it from there, probably more so just from practicing the technique. So yeah, it's, it's definitely going to probably have an advantage in that sense. Okay. Um, next question says, how do magic mushrooms affect the success? Can't say. I mean, any any psychedelic at any point. Listen, let me try to explain something different to you. This is very hard to explain with with using psychedelics. With psychedelics, you are often at the whims of nature. You're you're at the whims of whatever walks through the door captures your attention, and then you you fixate on that. If you finally get bored with that and you get up and go and you walk outside, you fixate on whatever's presented to you. So you don't really get a lot of opportunity, depending. I mean, if you're microdosing, like I said, I've never microdosed, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what to say about it. But when you're doing a full-on effect, you're, you're kind of along for the ride. It's kind of like a roller coaster. You're in the roller coaster seat and you're going. You have some decision-making, but for the most part, it's going to show you or whatever – you know, shuffle the deck of cards, check it out. That's what you're going to get. That's the hand. Okay. So it's hard to say what, you know, whether you do something, it depends on the quantity, how much control that you're giving up mental control as you know it, when you are using hallucinogenics, it's just what percentage, the same thing. The only thing I can relate to is alcohol for you guys that you can say, you know, you had enough experience that, you can say you do one beer or one shot and you still have a lot of decision-making power, but it loosens you up, okay? Maybe two shots or two beers, you're losing that control depending on each person, okay? But you still have control. Three, you're starting to lose that control or surrender 60 70% of that self-control by quantity. So it's, just, it's no different than what hallucinogenics. 
you're surrendering your control or your interest of what you're trying to tap into, okay, by the quantity of allowing it to affect you. If you want a greater effect, you're going to take more. But by taking more, you lower your, your control factor of what you get to contribute to the situation. So this is where you got to find that, that perfect um, happy medium of what's going to work and what's not in order to utilize your personal training to get the biggest breakthrough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, kind of magic mushrooms. Um, how do they affect your ability to absorb prana? If you don't take a ton of them and you're over, listen, let me try to explain this again. Any hallucinogen under the right circumstances, under the right level that you have control and you've got good discipline, you're going to have a, a fantastic experience energy wise. Okay. If you cross that level or they start to kick in a little stronger than you thought or your body's digesting them a little bit differently because of alkalinity or something in your body, okay, you're, you're not going to be absorbing energy anymore. You're, you're just going to be a product of whatever it wants to do to you and the last thing on your mind is absorbing energy. So that's why it's a hard thing to answer. Yes, it could work great. But once you pass a certain threshold, then, then no, it's just the opposite. We have uh, just a couple more questions here. Uh, the last one, or not the last one, the last one on the list says, do you believe the research that, said, that says cannabis kills cancer cells? Well, let, I think it's very important to clear that up. I looked it up the other day because I didn't really know too much about it. So I did a brief looky-loo, you could say. Uh, it's, it's, it's shown some effect in lab testing on animals and it's only certain kinds of cancer cells. I don't think it's necessarily uh, effective on everything, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I can't say for certain whether it is or isn't, or it's a, it's a go-to or whatever. You know, this is like CBD oil. You know, they they pitch it. Oh, it cures just about everything. Okay, marijuana is good for you. It cures about just about everything. I mean, this is just absurdness. Um, I think that. Uh, can it have an effect on cancer cells? Well, look at it two ways, okay? No matter what, you're going to get cancer, okay? Two, you, if you're smoking, you're probably irritating your lungs, which could contribute to cancer. So you may be curing one kind of cancer, but you may be encouraging another to arrive. I mean, it's it's just, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, I do not know. I mean, it's just something that they're looking for. But, you know, here here's what I would say. There's tons of people who have cancer who smoke pot to offset the effects of it. I say, ask them, do you think it was the chemotherapy or the marijuana or the combination of both that helped? I could tell you one thing that the, the power of THC in one sense is it makes you kind of lose your stress level a lot. It brings you down. It relaxes you significantly. Whether you want to be relaxed or not, you're going to be relaxed as long as you don't smoke too much. And that effect of, of relieving tension in your body has got to be beneficial to the the health constitution of you fighting or dealing with something like cancer in your body. So it could be beneficial in that sense. Okay, someone else asked if you have a favorite strain of weed. <laughs> well, man, you know. Okay, what well, we got the tie dye stuff. Well, not tie dye, but we got our, our hippie uh, stuff we had to put up back there. Um, look, I'll give you guys some some basic information. Okay. One, if I was going to do anything, I prefer vaping over, as I said before, um, 
other forms. I, I'm not too big of a fan on edibles anymore. I'm not a big fan of straight up smoking or what they call a blunt or anything like that. Maybe bong is okay, I guess, you know, but it just reminds me too much of my teenage years and it has this weird psychological effect where I'm like, yeah, I, I can't go back to that. Um, vaping's gotten to be where it's just this little pen and you put the cartridge with the oil in, you hit it. And I mean, 15 minutes, you're feeling the results of it. And it's so, so clean and refined now compared to, to the other ways, but it's a different high. I've had people tell me that they prefer the high of just regular straight up. They call it flower, uh, which for us who have been around longer, marijuana, bud, call whatever, same shit. And you know, it's a different kind of high. They say they like that a little bit better so to all their own. Okay. There, there are different strains, but the biggest thing is, is that, that, you know, I've had to relearn some stuff and that's between sativa and, uh, indica and the indica. And I never get this right. So do you better double check this shit? Okay. But indica, I believe is going to, to be more of a brain high and the, or it's vice versa. I can't remember anymore. Well, one of them is more what they call a, a mental high. And then the other one's more of a body high. And at first I didn't think they would, you know, there's some people say there's no difference. They're full of shit. For me, there's no question about it. There's a difference. So I, I do believe that there's a difference in that sense. And I prefer a body high over a brain high, maybe because my brain is over, you know, thought process. But so the difference would be you, if you were to do, let's say it's uh, indica to relax your body. Uh, you're just going to be really relaxed. All the stress is going to leave, blah, blah, blah. Great for meditations to, to help amplify that. You can have some really good meditations on it if you can keep yourself organized because it makes you complacent. You got to be careful. You got to say to yourself, oh, I can only get high once in a while. It's, you like it too much to do it all the time and then you're useless. Uh, with sativa, it's like you, if I was going to do that, they say it's more mental. You focus on writing or you want, you know, maybe watch TV and it looks more richer, more detail or, or whatever, whatnot. Uh, you know, I, I see both of them having their advantages and disadvantages. And now you've got high blends where they're mixing the two together and you kind of get both effects. But if, if I, I prefer a body high over everything because you still feel it mentally. You just feel just very, you know, shut down, relaxed, disconnected from your day-to-day -day problems. And it just kind of, you know, this is where you get that, hey, man, what's up? And you really do feel that way, you know. It's like, oh, all right, okay, everything's great. Uh, so it's nice to, to feel like that once in a while if, if that's a thing. You just can't make it your life. Yeah. So we got about four minutes here, and we have about two questions left. Okay. Uh, one of them and I do believe they're asking as far as different strangers – Kush, there's all these different kinds that come out with different names. You know, it's there's so many that come out and they're so hybrid. Listen, folks, if any of you guys are like in my age group, you know, about 50 years old, the shit they're smoking today is way stronger than the stuff we were smoking back in the day if you smoked anything. But even then it was strong. But it, it you know, keep in mind, don't just jump into it like, you know, uh, like, you know, wherever you left off. <laughs> uh, okay. So somebody else asked, what are your thoughts on Carl Jung's statement? Beware unearned wisdom with regard to hallucinogens. Um, I would say that, you know, I have a lot of respect for Carl Jung, but, you know, I, I, I think it's probably a true statement, you know, um, you know, that I think that what he may be referring to is the shamanistic view of utilizing something or just doing it recreationally. And I think I've covered that the last uh, episode before this. Yeah. Okay. Um, last question. I've heard that fasting 
uh, is beneficial towards curing all addictions. Is this true? I'm a big believer in fasting. Obviously, I'm 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 more a believer than an active user. Uh, I did actually fast for 24 hours not too long ago, but uh, you know, um, I'm a big believer. Whether or not it's going to be a cure all, I don't know. What I can tell you is that um, the studies are out there that if you can go, um, I don't even remember. You know, I've forgotten more than than most people will probably ever know, but. Uh, I think it's three days. You can do water. You got to keep your calories below 600 per day, which is no easy thing. And what happens is, is that your body resets its immune system. And in so that can be highly beneficial. And I think the reason why it does that, if you would look at us on a primitive level and the survival of our species, if we were ever wounded and we we ended up getting septic or an infection, we might be laying in the middle of the ground in the desert or some some area half dead, like practically unconscious, rotting. And it makes sense to me that that once the body gets down to a certain level, that its survival mechanism kicks in and in it there's an explosion of immunity systems that that kick on and re reinvigorate itself from maybe not being used so much before. And I think it's a very powerful last ditch effort by the human body to survive. And um, so can that be beneficial when it comes to other addictions? I don't know. Uh, I wish I did, but um, I'd be curious to learn more about it. If I was to, to make a educated guess, I would say absolutely it has to have an effect uh, considering the immune system boosts so much. It may end up bumping out your addiction program. It's like rebooting a computer. I don't know for certain, but I think that there's a good chance of it. All right. Um, that's all the questions. Uh, I do want to remind people that we have the in-between still available from the last episode. Um, it comes with hyper travel and that's two payments of 33. Um, so much better at this than me. Oh, yeah. uh, you can go to rebelgururadio.com forward slash in between, or just give us a call and we'll help you out. Um, the other thing I want to put out there that a lot of you guys may not know about is uh, I have a property and we we do retreats there and I have a facility to very comfortably have people out there. And I've just started a program that's an intensive for a four-day program. Of course, you can come out for an extra day or something to, to prepare or unwind before you get started with it. But it's a series of, of trainings throughout the day that you would utilize uh, to build or embolden your your sensory, your spiritualness and everything. And it's designed by me. Uh, and so every hour, maybe for six hours, so you have breaks and everything, you know, we're not brutal. Uh, you would do these things with a group of people that would be there. So it's about maybe eight people per, per session. So you'd be with a group of other people. And then uh, the bungalows I have hold two people per person, very nice, very comfortable. And we have a big, huge deck to work on and there's an outdoor kitchen. It's just magical. It's, it's pure magic. Uh, and then, of course, I got a pool, a hot tub. It's just like a retreat center. Uh, so if you want to be around other like-minded people, one of the biggest problems is has been price. And what I'm doing is unprecedented. I, I, you know, my staff thinks I'm crazy, but I really want people to to gain something out of everything that we have to offer. So what I said was, I'm going to put this whole program together, have people come out there. It'll include in this price all the class training and stuff. 
plus it will include their their stay for the unit. So it's like your hotel room is is rolled into that for the cost. The only thing you have to do is figure out bringing out food, and the group would decide as groups what they want to do and and how they want to do it. So having said that, brace yourself. Uh, I've decided to simply charge what we would charge to have you guys come out. That's one hundred and twenty five dollars a day. So for four days, which is the the program, would be five hundred bucks. I think that's incredibly reasonable. Uh, I've had people tell me I should be charging between fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars for what I'm getting putting together it's it's that good uh, but it's more important to me to get people like you guys out there and turn on to HBI and experience you know what what it is that we're doing uh, you do need to to get kind of confirmed whether you can be brought out to the property or come out to the property uh, we do want to make sure that we're bringing people out there that are really truly into HBI or have some material or some books you can answer some basic questions you know we'll feel it out and then that that's it we just want to make sure we we have people out there that benefit other people because it's it's a group and you're making friends and you're you're hanging out people want to be as serious uh as the next person so we want to make sure we have good people out there but uh that doesn't mean that you should you know uh not want to go you definitely should i don't know how long we're going to do it it is a limited series of classes we're doing so first come first serve i don't know if we'll continue doing it or not but it's something we're getting ready to do for the summer so if you want to do it Call up the office, 1-800-935-4007, and ask whatever you want, and we'll see if they can give you more information. That's it. All right. And you've got the other modules and stuff that, that – uh, Yeah, they... so all the links will be in the description. <coughs> so there are some modules. As usual, we give really great prices, insanely good prices, modules that are relevant to the topic that we think will blow your mind. And uh, I guess you'll have to, to decide that for yourselves. But uh, incredibly uh, affordable compared to normal. So take advantage of it. That's it. That's all I got. All right. All right. That's it. Finish. Bye. Finish stream. Yeah. See you guys later. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the foundation meditation system. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com.
Meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 